0: Super stoked to have Distro Kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland. And not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys, and they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights, and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space, and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it.
1: down
0: at the What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, And that will propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the sustainability and the growth of this thing. You can also find the podcast on Spotify. Now, if that's your preferred place of listening, I've also been dropping some monthly playlists there every first of the month. So the June one, is up. You can give those a follow and a like, keeping those super spread out genre wise. And I'll put the links for the Spotify playlist in the episode notes, along with the links for the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t shirts. Those will all be there, as well as the links for my guests on this week's episode of the podcast, episode 257. Sam Pura on the podcast. Sam is a killer engineer, producer, multi-instrumentalist, and overall creative director for projects at this point, and uh, it was great to have the opportunity to chat with this dude. He has made some of my favorite records over the, uh, the past 10 years, especially all of the story so far stuff, which uh, is kind of how Sam got on my radar, and we talk about making some of those records as well as a couple of the basement records and just great to get some insight on this dude's process. He, he makes such great sounding records. So it was cool to, uh, to find out how he got some of his beginnings and, and some of, uh, his thoughts on, on just the overall recording process. And, and I think it's great to always have somebody who is really confident in the room, to help you make a record and and Sam seems just very confident in his craft and his ability to get great sounds to have all of the pieces to to make a really good sounding record because I think you can have great songs and and them not be communicated the way you want them to and, and a sound engineer and producers is, is such a such a big part of the process to to bring your your vision to life so we dive into some of that And we're going to get into that momentarily if you're a Sam Pura fan, and that is why you have tuned in. Appreciate you checking out the show, and you can find fresh episodes, like I said, every Friday, usually an interview with an artist. So if you like what you hear with this one, go ahead, go back, check out some previous episodes. Last week, I had hip-hop producer, rapper, multi-instrumentalist Calvin Valentine on the show. I'm still out here cruising on my California road trip, currently in the San Luis Obispo area, having a killer time up here. Last week was all about trying to get some some podcasts in while while I was in the Los Angeles, Orange County area, and uh, stoked on the couple more that I have from this trip to share with everybody, but uh, since this last Saturday, it's been kind of vacation mode And, uh, it's been really cool. My girlfriend flew out on Saturday. So she is with me for the remainder of this road trip back to Portland. Had a great time in the LA area, hitting the Getty and the comedy store, getting some, some killer food along the way. And now we're, we're hanging out in San Luis Obispo. This part of California, the central coast is, uh, is tough to beat. It's pretty beautiful. We hung out all day in this place called Pirates Cove in this really secluded beach area and and was just hanging there on the beach all day. Also, if you if you cruise through the San Luis Obispo area and you enjoy weed, definitely hit up Megan's Dispensary. It's one of the coolest dispensaries I've ever been into. I've never been into a dispensary where you can just walk in and just grab things off the shelf like it's a regular grocery store or market. So, very cool experience there. As well as Hidden High Street Deli. I think those are, those are must for the San Luis Obispo area. And also checked out Boo Boo Records today in downtown San Luis Obispo. That was, uh, that was a very cool spot as well. And then off to Monterey tomorrow to to continue this drive up the coast so uh hope everybody is doing well out there stay tuned this wednesday for a new edition of i dig records those dropping on this feed every other wednesday my cuzzo and i doing the deep dive on records we did title fights hyperview last week so that's available now and uh the next one we are doing for volume 19 Upcoming is Bonnie Vare's 22 A Million. So stay tuned for all of that. And if you're in the Portland area, we got free music going on at Produce Row every Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Coming up on June 6th, we got the Miguel Hernandez duo. Miguel's a killer guitar player and he always brings out killer musicians to play along with him. So that is on June 6th. And then on June 9th, we got Jeff Chilton of the uh, JC proof project. Jeff is a former guest of the podcast. You can go back and check out that episode. So he'll be there June 9th and then June 13th. We got brunch with beats with Splurgeon. He's the dude behind all those thirsty city shows going on in Portland and then June 16th, Brother versus Robot, more beat set. That's going on with Alex Meltzer, who's one of my favorite artists in the Portland area. And then June 20th, we got Free Tillman and Love Jones. So a bunch of hip hop beat sets going on. DJ sets at Produce Row as well as some folk music and singer-songwriter stuff. Come on out to one of those Sunday late brunch shows or Wednesday evening. Great place to See some music and grab some food and free music nonetheless. So with all that said, we're going to get in to episode 257. All those links in the episode notes for everything I mentioned, including my guest, Sam Pura. Can't thank Sam enough for uh, giving me some of his time. Really appreciated this chat and some of uh, the insight on the ethos for his process and whatnot and the the things he has picked up in what seems to be 20 plus years of of music engineering and and producing and and being a tech on on tours and seems to have developed this sound of his that i'm sure many engineers and producers model their their records after and and are chasing down so stoked to get into this one we're going to kick it off with a track called quicksand off of the story so far under soil and dirt in the conversation we we talk about this record and and sam kind of mentions this one as, as being the the groundbreaking record maybe for himself the one that that really put him on the map for uh this genre of music this is quicksand and my chat with sam Pira. let's do the damn thing
1: hit fire
0: Stoked to talk to you, man. I happened to... I don't know what I came across that, that had you tagged in it, but it led me down this rabbit hole of just figuring out who you were and uh, realized that you made pretty much all of the, the stories so far, records, and that is a band that has become one of my favorites over the last five to seven years or so and, uh, and then just started digging in to see... What else you had done so I haven't had too many uh producers slash engineers on on the podcast so it's uh it's cool to to have an opportunity to dive into that world a bit yeah hell yeah yeah man so talk to me about uh just how you got how you got started did you uh did you get into music pretty early on as a kid
2: uh yeah like I I hated school. I was terrible in school, um, and just gravitated naturally towards uh, playing guitar. Um, got really into uh, the pop punk uh, days of you know Dude Ranch and you know Incubus and fucking Limp Bizkit and uh, all those bands were like my favorite bands growing up. Uh, just got really into um, audio manipulation and playing with my friends, and eventually that led to me. Uh, I was making like a an ep and then i really enjoyed the recording studio experience so i was like i want to do more of that uh went to school for it and as i was going to school for it i was like recording my own band and like my friends bands and just uh it has been my entire life and career uh from the beginning all i've ever done is make records basically
0: that's amazing
2: Mm -hmm. um
0: so while you were playing guitar and playing in bands and stuff did you uh once you started tapping into the engineering side, did the that speak to you a lot more than actually playing in a band?
2: Well, I always liked playing in my bands, but I was always like I was always the executive creative like director of my bands essentially uh so I started having more fun like um having fully like presented visions of projects to me uh and like being like, "Oh cool well, I get it like you're this punk band, and you want to sound like this, like let's make a record or like you're this like." death metal band and you want to sound like this like let's make it sound like that so like it it. I started having a lot more fun like specifically like chasing uh sounds and like styles and like trying to um you know uh diversify my uh platform and my fucking craft you know what I mean and so uh I just had a lot more fun working with other bands and making you know versatile records you know
0: yeah and not just being kind of like locked into one project or one band all the time.
2: Yeah. I mean like uh, when I make something, I'm always like super critical of it and it never sounds beyond me. It always sounds like, it always sounds like it's attached to me and never really like, I'm always just like too judgmental of it. Uh, So it's a lot easier when someone presents their idea to me for me to be like, Oh, that's hell of good. And, or like, you know, what would make this idea even better is just this slight tweak. So like, it's it's much like easier for me to get into something if it's not me that created it, yeah you know?
0: yeah, absolutely uh just having that that outside outside ears and and perspective of something helping yeah, exactly. people get out of their own way and whatnot, making a record yeah bingo, yeah, um, and did you kind of maintain uh playing instruments and playing music yourself while you were getting into all this or did or did uh like the engineering side kind of take up all your time you kind of immerse yourself in in that side of things
2: uh I mean well each aspect of uh what I engineer like opens the rabbit hole of like learning how to become like the best at doing that thing so like you know as I'm a, a guitar player like I quickly was like all right cool I'm pretty happy with like my guitar tones and my things like now drums are like my obsession so then I had like a huge like drum obsession time and like learned how to play drums a bit myself and then uh then I got really obsessed with bass and like uh real big about bass tones and then like you know real obsessed with uh vocals and vocal melodies and uh so like each each aspect of like what I do like has like like intense like focus and like and a lot of amount of time that I've spent uh studying and like building my own techniques for that so like uh I at this point like I'm I like first and foremost I'm a guitar player but like I'm a bass player I could I can hack my way through drums on a recording process uh, I could definitely sing uh, and like do backups and like harmonies like no problem like uh, I I do more than I ever did playing in a band making records basically you
0: now yeah do you find having some understanding of all those different instruments and how to actually play and technique really helps you kind of communicate with the band as well while you're making a record with them
2: absolutely i mean it's like it's way easier to show them the right way to do it as opposed to like tell them the right way to do it you know what i mean it's just like here let me show you the exact disconnect that i'm trying to explain to you when i play it it sounds like this when you play it it sounds like this don't we agree that when i play it it sounds better so you need to do what i'm doing to make it sound good or like you know singing like as i'm like recording vocals like I'm I'm singing to the exact same setup the entire time like I will sing their part to them <laughs> and like sometimes like I'll even lay down like guide tracks that I'll sing and have them sing to my guide track in the background like um yeah like it's it's in order for me to like land on my desired end result I have to like demonstrate it for them you know what I mean as opposed to like be like come on man you know what I'm saying don't shoot yeah. you know <laughs>
0: Right, right, which I I guess is probably also, like, some of the difficulties you run into when you're working with a band, and they're asking you to do things on the technical side that aren't, like, real things. It's like, this is not real vocabulary for what you're asking me to do, nor does this even exist.
2: No, totally. Like, that's uh, a long time ago, like, my uh, homie of mine kind of, like, had this breakthrough, like, moment, like, with me where he was just like, he's like, dude, you have to realize that, like, none of these bands know what you're talking about, and, like, none of these bands have ever, like engineered records the way that you do and no one like thinks about like the pixels that go into making up the picture that we are both seeing right now you know what I mean whereas like the person who like develops this app and this thing is like crazy highlighted focused on like how the resolution is and the blah 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 you know what I mean whereas we're just like oh it looks good to me you know like so uh like you really have to like educate these people through the process you know what I mean and like help them understand how important the details are and like that's kind of like one of the one of the flaws I guess in my like uh productions and my like mixes is like I make things so clear and loud and up front that if uh there's anything that's slightly uh off about it it'll fucking stand out you'll totally hear it you know what I mean like a, like a fret buzz or a fucking like wobbly uh note on a vocal or like uh a kick hit that like is just kind of like ghosted and not hit with the right impact like all of that will be displayed so clearly you know what I mean so like that means then like our like everything that we put into the computer and like record has to be like at the utmost like perfect uh like uh status before it even comes into my computer you know what I mean so so that's a lot of work and that's a lot of like you know tedious uh education with clients and like but that's fun that's the shit that I love to do you know
0: yeah is it also like really important for you to have uh some sort of interactions and and get to know an artist or a band and have a hang with them of some sort before you get in the studio with them to to make a project? Or do you sometimes are you going in blind and just jumping in the room with people?
2: I mean, like 99% of the time I'm jumping in blind. Um, But like, there's obvious like, I mean, I like doing like podcasts like these and like doing like, basic, you know, the like, you know, putting myself out there, like, you as a human being, if you wanted to figure out who Sam Pura was, you could spend five minutes on the internet and, and get a basic picture of who I am. You know what I mean? So, like, most of the people who, like, are approaching me these days, like, are, are doing so because they actually really like my, like, workflow and they like my, like, the my dedication to quality and, like, those are the things that, like, really resonate with them. So, like, immediately, like, we're already off to a good page because, like, they they know what i I'm I do and how like I can help them capitalize and like actually like level up their productions. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, I don't know who this guy is apparently. Like my manager says he's cool. You know what I mean? Like they know <laughs> right, specifically right. what they're coming into now. You know what I mean? And like what we're about to do. So uh that's pretty cool, you know?
0: Yeah. Um you're like twenty plus years into doing this now? Yeah, is it's kinda right?
2: wild. Yeah. Like I mean I've just done it ever since I was I started when I was 16. Uh I'm 36 now, so yeah, pretty pretty insane, man. Same age buddies. <laughs> yeah, there we go, dude. <laughs> yeah, how far into it?
0: I mean, I it seems like you're the type of dude that's going to keep trying to open up new doors for yourself or, you know, keep learning new things about the process as you go on, but like how far along did, were you into it? Where you really started feeling like you were developing Maybe your own sound or kind of developing your own like ethos for your process?
2: Yeah. Um, when I was my second studio that I ever had was in East Oakland, it was at a place called 123447th Street in the middle of East Oakland. Uh, I did like a Heavy Lolo record there, I did like the early like, Lionheart record, the first Lionheart record. Um, like I did a couple of other like, like Suffocate and like uh, a couple of other like monumental like things in my uh moment where i was just like okay like i have like a style i have a brand and like um it's very like loud abrasive huge sounding records that like when you put on like another record you're like this sounds weak compared you know what i mean like uh so that like kind of became my thing that like a lot of like these heavier bands gravitated towards me and like really uh appreciated that sound you know and then like also it really worked well for story where it was like okay cool well all these like pop punk bands like sound like super clean and super like uh sterile like how about we just like amplify this up and like kick up the jams quite a bit and like turn up the energy a bit and like uh you know i i think that those records like sound you know better than some of my initial influences growing up you know so it's like like when i was whenever i like really like dove into like really trying to beat my references like that's when I really had the flow going on and like kind of was like okay this is what I just have to do all the time so that kind of started more so in Oakland is like continued into where I am now like probably like I was like 21 at the time that I started like really fucking like I like being self-aware and like knowing my own skills and like what I could bring to the table you know what I mean
0: yeah is that also where when maybe you start kind of getting the confidence in the room where like oh I'm the guy steering the ship Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I was also, like, straight edge, like, growing up. And, like, once I, like, like, started smoking weed and, like, uh, drinking beer and, like, kind of just chilling out, like, uh, I was way less, like, high-strung and way more, like, okay, like, all these people kind of trust me and I don't really have to, like, prove myself or anything. Like, so um, everything just became more casual and more, like cool it's cool like everyone's like ready to like sit down and like vibe and like dive into this and like make a real good time as opposed to like i am providing a service of recording this band today for eight hours you know what i mean (laughs) like like, the whole thing just kind of switched into like we're just making music instead of like i'm recording your band you know
0: yeah just like making it a full hang experience and realizing that that's a part of the the vibe too and not just like getting the best sounds out of of everything
2: totally i mean it's just about like at the end of the day like what we're trying to do is like we're trying to curate like an emotional experience for a listener you know what I mean and like what is that what is that vibe what's that fucking setting where's the place you know and so like the the whole you know the environment and the whole like thing all kind of plays into everything on that you know it's like When I listen to, like, uh, Heavy's Turtle Nipple, it sounds like I recorded that in Oakland. Like, we, like, recorded, like, the BART train and, like, all these, like, cool, it's, like, it's this, like, cool time capsule of, like, this moment of time in this place, and, like, it's very, like, thematic in that way, and so, like, that's, like, you know, it's, it's all, it's the all-encompassing package, you know what I mean?
0: Right, right. In Northern California, born and raised?
2: Born and raised, Bay Area, West Coast is the best coast. Uh, yeah, big California fan.
0: That's funny. I grew up in Southern California and uh, I didn't like go up to NorCal like very often, but I always just like found it very funny that there seemed to be like this rivalry between the two that like I never really understood. But yeah, it mostly it,
2: it goes deep, man. I mean, they fucking steal our water and they fucking. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. um, no, but uh, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's kind of, I mean, I, I like. Most of the people that I know who like, you know, love LA, like they love, they love living the dream and like, it's kind of, it's almost like religion in a weird way. It's just like, yeah, man, like I have hope and I have like belief in this, like, in this place and this community and like this blah, blah, blah. It's like, but when I go to LA, I'm just like, God, it's a fucking like anxious, like shithole and like, it's a fucking, like, it just makes (laughs) me feel like so uncomfortable at all times. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I love the Bay Area. It's a beautiful place. Like. I mean, I love being able to just, like, drive up to Oakland and go get some food or, like, go to San Francisco for a day or, like, go out to the fucking beach and hang out in Half Moon Bay or whatever. Like, there's, like so, there's so many different fucking areas right here, and it's all, like, within reach. And, like, every time, like, I would go on tour and, like, come back home, I would just be like, I live in the best area, like, in the fucking world. It's amazing. Like, uh, I fucking – I'm super proud to be a Bay Area native.
0: And I would assume that that's how you end up linking up with a lot of the, the Northern California – bass bands early on
2: yeah i mean i definitely like have like made uh um a name for myself by like being like one of the like if you're if you were to talk about like nor north california producers like i i would be in the conversation you know what i mean uh in my mind you know what i mean like uh I, so that's like i i definitely have like an influence out here and like continue to like build my brand and my like at this point like a lot of people like there's not even fucking many drum rooms anymore you know what I mean like it's kind of weird in that way like I'm I'm one of the like few fucking studios that remains that has like a fucking badass drum room that's like desired you know Um. so yeah it's uh it's cool i have always just kind of like locked into the NorCal realm but like that making those music and like making uh records with that like influences like people all over the world and thankfully I've been able to make records in like Australia and you know Europe and shit like that and it's it's fucking bomb, you know.
0: Yeah, I was uh, one of the records I was surprised to to see in your catalog of stuff on your on your website was uh, was that Strata record.
2: Oh yeah, man, uh, that's funny. How do you know Strata?
0: So I saw, man, I went to a show. This has got to be probably two thousand four, somewhere around there, and it was this tour with uh, Smile Empty Soul, Finger Eleven. A couple other bands and Strata played that that as well, and their set blew my mind. And it was when that first re- their self titled was out. Yeah, I know you did the follow up to that. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't
2: do the follow up to that. Like, so Strata's kind of like a cool story in terms of that. Like, Strata was like the first like local band that was like going to be. Big man, you know, like and then like, you know, all of a sudden you're watching the Ashley Simpson show and the credits roll and Strata's music video is playing on MTV. Like Mm -hmm. that was like the craziest thing I ever saw in my life. You know what I mean? Like so like they were definitely like the first like big band that I ever like was friends with, that I ever like played shows with that was like gonna make it. You know what I mean? Like so uh like i eventually like got the to tour with them and do like uh guitar teching with them and stuff like that and so um when that second record uh came out i did some additional like engineering and like help on like uh, overdubs like right before they started finishing that record and stuff like that. So like um, I, I played a really, really tiny role in that. Like I added like maybe like 0.01% of uh, material to the to that catalog. But I was a part of it in some way, shape or form, you know, so like it was, but also like more so as like their techs and their crew. So like I toured with them for like a year and a half. Like we did like a, I did a Finger Eleven tour with them uh, in Canada and like a Chevelle tour and stuff like that. So that was like the band who like, brought me into like the industry and <laughs> like learn seeing that whole world, you know.
0: Say that that having that opportunity to be a guitar tech and kind of be on the road like that informed your your process at all as far as uh, your what you do
2: well the like the stand up memory is definitely doing the finger eleven tour and they had this uh, guitar tech that was named Alan um, and we called him yeti and he was like he was Rick uh, from finger elevens like main guitar tech and like uh it's it's one of those things where it's like you know You immediately like start like blowing down with the crew and like being cool and like the crew guys like Alan would be like, hey man, like now that we're done with like load up, we got like three hours until doors. Like you want to come on the bus and like smoke some weed and play some video games? It's like fuck yeah! And like (laughs) I would just like hang out with him and like and the Finger Eleven guys and they're all just fucking human beings, dude. They're all just fucking people. There's no ego. There's no like elitist fucking talking down to you type of thing. Like we're all just like smoking weed, chilling on their bus, and they're like super nice to me. And like that was like a really like. Uh, validating time where it was like, dude, I, I guess I, I am a cool hang. I can fucking kick it with people, <laughs> like I'm not like I'm not a buzzkill. I'm not annoying. Like, uh, in fact, like these dudes like really enjoyed playing with me, so, uh, and like hanging out with me and shit, you know. So fucking, um, yeah, that dude Alan. Unfortunately, he died a couple years ago. Uh, like. He had some, like, diabetes, like, side effects shit that happened. And, but, like, so RIP to him because he was fucking – he was badass. He's probably, like, my like my most influential tour memory is just, like, hanging out with that dude smoking weed and, like, being, like – I fucking love just being crew dude and hanging out with people. And that's the best part of tour. You know what I mean? Like, where everyone's like, what's the best part of tour? Like, oh, the fucking 35 minutes on stage. Like, no, nah, man, that that it's what it's all about. Like, the best part of tour is, like, literally the three hours in between, like – Finishing, like, set up and fucking door and, like, kicking it with the crew and having a great time before the fucking night begins. Like, that was, like, like it just it was rocked, you know what I mean? So, like, after that I felt confident and, like, validated and, like, uh I was ready to go do whatever I wanted to do, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Like, I think that's – it's definitely, you know, the times where you get to connect with, like, the people that you're doing the thing with is, is really dope to, yeah. like – just to get to know people as human beings like you're you're saying because you're seeing them also do their thing on stage and a, a bunch of people you know kind of worshiping them and wanting to say hello and yeah. wanting to say great show but you're actually like getting to have like the real interactions with them and uh yeah i think those are like special moments too like when you get to when you kind of have that feeling of like, hey, like I I can also hang here. I belong here too.
2: Yeah. It was well, it was cool because like I mean like at the time that I was like doing like with Strata, they were going through like some like weird label kind of bullshit. Like they were they were in the process of like being told they were about to make it and their numbers and performances weren't uh showing that. In fact it was showing that like they were failing. You know what I mean? So like they're in this kind of like elitist like kind of mindset of like like you know, the band can't go onto the stage and, like, help set up gear because, like, it needs, like, we need to build status and show, like, the band is, like, you know, like, we, we have our crew. Like, like weird little rules like that that, like, they were applying to. And, like, then, you know, like, touring with, like, uh, 30 Seconds to Mars and Chevelle, like, those guys are all just kind of, like, Standoffish like egomaniac guys. Like their crews are super cool, but like you never fucking hang out with any of the dudes from the band. You know what I mean? And then here I am with Finger Eleven, like playing guitar hero, fucking chatting. And they were like <laughs> they were like the most normal fucking dudes ever. And like uh I'm not like a Finger Eleven fan or anything, but like I would gladly watch that band uh every night because they're hella fucking talented and they're hella good and like they're also just like the coolest people. So like just going through that was just like like all this whole hype and this whole status thing like erased, and I was like, man, just let me get right to the source of like cool people like just being cool and like that's that's the fucking secret, you know what I mean like
0: yeah, yeah, and also you you got i feel like that was a a kind of a cool time for you to get to come upon finger eleven because they were like pretty heavy veterans of the game, even though that like their third or fourth record was what really popped them off to the mainstream. Like they had been making records for a long time. So they're not, they're not new to the process. I'm sure they're like pretty humbled by the experience by this point.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were just, they were cool dudes. I mean, like we did like a tour with that band, uh, Crossfade, I think it was Crossfade mm-hmm. before, dude. It was like <laughs> they were
0: on that. They were on that. Uh, That's my like that soul was tour. Yeah, I got. Was that like yeah.
2: Snowcore? It was probably Snowcore though. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So um, were you were you teching now,
2: at that point? I wasn't teching for that tour. I went on like the tour after that. Um, but like the Crossfade guys, they were all super nice. But like I remember, like dude, like one time we were like, our, it was me and our tech, uh, our drum tech. Like we were the only two techs working for Strata, and so we were like figuring out what time bus call was. And so we saw the drummer from uh, Crossfade sitting in the driver's seat of his bus. And we were like, oh, hey. And we, like, we like waved at him. And he, like, waved at us. And then we, like, went to the door and opened the door to be like, hey, man, uh, what time's bus call? And he was like, uh, I think it's at, like, 2 a.m. We are like, cool, man. Like, thank you, dude. And, like, shut the door. And none of us even, like... Acknowledged that he was getting head from some chick in that moment, right there. You know, it was just like, okay, like this was like I didn't expect that. You know, I just thought he was like sitting in the fucking bus, like so. Like those guys were like crazy, like, sex-fiend dudes, you know what I mean? So, like, to then hang out with Finger Eleven, who are all, like, married, and we're just, like, playing Guitar Hero on a tour bus and, like, smoking, you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, the whole rock star life was, like, so stupid and such, like, a sham, you know what I mean? Like, like what do, Like what? dude, I would love to hang on the bus. Like, what goes down on the bus? Like, I bet it's a bunch of fucking Grey Goose and fucking girls everywhere. It's, like, the guys who were trying to do that are, like, sleazeballs, and they suck. you know what I mean? Like, instead, I'd much rather just, like, smoke weed with the text from Finger Eleven and, like, fucking... Watch them play Guitar <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure.
0: That's awesome.
2: So as far
0: as, like, in-studio engineering and producing, um, did you have some mentors coming up and some people that, like, hit you with some key information or really opened up your process?
2: I mean, I wish I, wish I did. Like, I actually really wanted to intern for my friend Zach Oren, which, shout out to Zach. He was, like, Zach's, like, the first, like, Bedroom producer, uh, the first guy I ever worked with. Um, And Zach's, like, always been, like, the exact same human being. Like, super critical, uh, super fucking, like, blunt, uh, just really, like, uh, cares about, like, making shit sound good and, like, doesn't really care about your feelings or anything like that. Like, so I really had a... um, a good time working with Zach initially and I always really wanted to work with him cause like he just had great drum sounds and like I, I basically like learned I learned kind of like the blueprint for like how to actually like go about making a record by like, recording with Zach before and so then um after that like you know I went to I went to audio school um and really like the main thing that like really changed my life there was the history of music production uh shout out to my old teacher Scott Theakston um he, like learning all about the process of like how the Beatles like Made their initial records on four track, and the development from four track to eight track, and a sixteen track, and like you know, just like basically like the i like following the technology of of the MP3 player to what it is today. You know what I mean? Like uh, through recordings uh, process, it's just like was so fucking fun, and I really like uh, appreciated and learned a lot through that. So like I've always had like a huge. um I'm, I'm a fucking credit snob. Like, I just go, like, all through liner notes, and I'm, like, research everyone and listen to all their work, and, like, you could ask me about any record, and I'd probably be, be able to successfully answer who mastered, uh, engineered, mixed it, like, produced it. Like, I just, I, I go ham about that shit. Um, so, but, like, working directly with anyone, I, I never did, unfortunately. But, like, uh, guys like Jason Sukoff, uh, Mark Lewis, uh, all, like... Like, successful, like, great, like, metal engineers. It's funny, because, like, a lot of my favorite engineers, like, growing up, were, like, all metal guys. Like, they all just made, you know what I mean? Like, I I didn't even go, like, like, the first, like, it was, like, Zach, Jason, Mark Lewis. And then I started really going into, like, okay, like, Brian Eno, fucking the greats, like, the biggest guys. Um, But, like, like, I've always been, like, super cool with Jason. Like, he's always, like, been a, a good homie. Like, it's, like what I've found is, like, the coolest people that, like, the people whose records, I think, sound the best, if I hit them up directly, they're, like, so passionate about audio that they're so happy to, like, talk about anything with me. And, like, the people who are, like, kind of guarded and weird, like, are, like, hiding something in super, like, standoffish and weird ways, you know? So, it's like, like I, it's like, uh, I if like, when I was, like, an, an annoying like, you know, young kid, like, I'd hit up Zach and ask him, like, about, like, basic-ass shit, and he'd fucking answer me every time. It'd be super nice to me, you know what I mean? Like, same with Zukav, same with was like none of them were ever guarded or like spoke down to me you know so like I always try to be that way to like people who hit me up as well too because like I I love sharing what I know I love like finding out more information like I have a thirst for fucking you know uh audio engineering knowledge you know what I mean like an education like I just want to I want to absorb and learn more and apply cool shit you know
0: yeah absolutely and I think it's dope when you know people like that become accessible to you because obviously obviously like informs what you do and kind of like changes the way that you think about things. And it's also just got to be like a cool spot for you at this point that people are hitting you up to ask you questions and be like, Hey man, I love all the records that you make. Like, how are you getting this guitar sound? Yeah, totally. What are my, what are my next steps in in doing this?
2: Yeah, and and like the more I go through the process too, it's like, dude, like I could I could give you the exact like blueprint like point A to point B of like exactly how to do what I do and it wouldn't sound anything like what I do. You know what I mean? Like so like uh now that I know like and really truly like believe and understand that, like I'm happy to like talk about anything. Like I don't have like anything to hide or like any like intellectual property that's like gonna like with sharing that information is it gonna like compete against me and blah blah blah. like i don't care (laughs) you know what i mean like i just i just care about making music you know
0: yeah would you say that there's like a particular record or project that kind of put you on the map for this genre and in building your reputation
2: i mean well definitely like doing you know under Soil and Dirt was, like, the epitome of, like, the... I, I mean, in my opinion, I, I I would cite that as the catalyst of the pop-punk revival. Um, and, like, uh, you know, like, not to toot my own horn or anything, but, like, that, that album coming out and being what it was, like, at that time, like, uh, heavily competed and really, like, influenced a whole new wave of fucking pop-punk fans. You know what I mean? And so, like, um, it's, like you know that that definitely like created a de- an exponential like response that i hadn't like had on other records before you know and like then with that uh you know incredible like success and opportunity like then comes the responsibility to contribute and make like even better more meaningful things and like really go further and further so uh that like like once once that record happened then everything kind of changed where it was like I, I'm. I don't let bad work slip through my doors anymore. You know what I mean? Like I don't put out anything bad anymore.
0: That that record for me, under Soil and Dirt, was kind of the catalyst for me even discovering what this new era of pop punk was. Yeah, you know, like that led me to finding Knuckle Puck and Real Friends and all these other bands that I had no idea. I honestly I don't know. I, I I'm not sure that I understood when you and I were maybe, like, in high school and the and the pop-punk thing really started popping off. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that I realized what that impact was going to be on the future of music and that genre continuing to, to build on itself.
2: Yeah, that's what, like, I thought was kind of funny. It's like when you know i remember when like set your goals like was becoming a thing and i would like was like what this is like a hardcore band playing like blink 182 shit this is weird and like people <laughs> and people take this seriously what the fuck like i don't get this you know um and so like and then eventually when i i worked with like story it was like it was just really clear of like oh got it like we're going to make a record that's going to beat yellow card and some founder you one and fucking newfound glory and like uh, you know, me already being a credit, like fucking junkie, like I fucking idolized all those people behind those records, knew everything about it, knew like signal flow about that type of shit and was just like, cool, this is going to be fun. Like, and, uh, I, I made those records with the intent of trying to make my records sound better than all of my favorite pop punk records. You know what I mean? Which is like, uh, it kind of happened. It's very strange, you know?
0: Yeah. And what's it like for you when you're when you work with the band like Story So Far and you have the opportunity to make several records with them over a long period of time and even working on side projects with Kevin, like the same side stuff. Um, what's it like for you to actually get to build like that sort of rapport or relationship with the band and keep making projects with them?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, since, like, since proper dose, I mean, like, I've essentially had a falling out with all those guys, uh, but, like, you know, I still, like, love and appreciate them all, and, like, uh, am proud of, like, what I did with them, but it's, it's, like, they're, the honest truth is, like, once the fucking machine of the music industry gets involved, like, uh, it really becomes much more challenging to make emotionally fulfilling content, and to get, uh, five other dudes on the same page to create things that I think is exponentially better than the previous stuff and like is being done within the time and the budget you know what I mean like there's like mm, all yeah. these there's all these restrictions and like there's all these like then weird rules that get applied and like the whole thing uh it, it it's harder to then go back to like like I said like Let's just smoke some weed and drink some beer and make some fucking music as opposed to like, okay, well, we have two weeks and you have to then go on your headlining tour and blah, blah, blah. And like uh, that whole thing is like a really like challenging like relationship, which like really ultimately led to it's essentially its demise where it's like all right cool like in order for me to make the record that I would be proud of for those guys next like I don't think any of them would have the endurance the you know the fucking passion or the fucking you know willingness to like go even further than I uh want to go you know what I mean like instead like I think they're they're figuring out their own fucking new scenario and like what they're gonna do and like best of luck to those guys like we had a great run and like i'll just keep focusing on whatever the fuck i want to do you know what i mean with whoever wants yeah. to focus on making cool shit with what, what, what i have capable of you know what i mean
0: yeah is that hard for you to like obviously you get to witness some some very special moments in the studio often um a lot of candid moments but also you're um you know as you work with more high profile bands you're you are seeing like the inside of the industry in certain ways too is that is that difficult um, for you to witness.
2: I mean, it sucks because like the whole industry is designed to take advantage of people. You know what I mean? And and it's all about like how how can we make uh content for the cheapest amount of money and like make the most money off of it. You know what I mean? How can we turn shit into gold? And so it's it's really like demoralizing and like you know it's really frustrating at times. And like the other thing that makes it so weird is like you know ultimately like there's no there's no conversation about such and there's no um there's no anything uh, that like ever like preps you for the fact that this would even be a thing but then all of a sudden when you start uh um when you start acknowledging the uh reality of the scenario and how it went down and if it like actually like admits that they were at fault then it makes them look bad and then all of a sudden i'm the guy who's talking shit for just speaking about reality which is like I fucking was, like, getting dicked around with payments. I was getting dicked around with things being pulled away from me. Like, all this weird, like, drama inside of the entire process. And, like, the second I acknowledge that that happened, it's like, oh, dude, like, you're not supposed to talk about that. Like, what do you mean I can't talk about this? Like, why why are you doing this if you don't want people to know about this? You know? So, like, that's the shit that gets really frustrating, too. It's just, like, this whole, like... Like, I remember one time, like, I posted a video of, like, Kevin uh, using a talk box for a guitar solo... Uh, and then, like, I got texted that I had to pull that down because their management was mad that I posted that. It's just, like, stupid-ass rules like that that are just, like, that take me so far away out of, like, the, the creative mindset of making a record. You know what I mean? Like, Like, one time, like, I was, like... Mixing the record, and I like tweeted, and I was just like, "Yo, like, real stoked on like how these stories so far mixes are like coming out. Like, everyone's gonna be super stoked on this." And then Parker like texted me from like England, and was like, "Yo, you need to delete that tweet. That shit makes you look like a little girl, dude." It's like, what? You know what I mean? Like, uh, and 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 after like you know fucking several records of that, uh, it gets real fucking annoying. You know what I mean? Like, and it's yeah. just like, and and and, yeah. and and when those problems become exponentially worse, instead of like maturing and actually going to the next level of, like, avoiding those problems, like, it gets even more frustrating and confusing, you know? So, like, it's – it's unfortunately, it's not all fun and games. It's a lot of hard work, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, And, like, absolutely work that, like, in order to achieve, like, the desired end result, like, requires me to, like, push people beyond their, like, breaking point and, like, ultimately fracture, like, future relationships because of it, you know what I mean?
0: Mm. Well – I'm sorry that that shook out that way but with that said I re- I really thought that Proper Dose record was uh a very cool step in that process and and I thought like just even sonically there was uh there was a maturity and like something different being explored with that record and and maybe maybe one of my favorite stories so far records Yeah hell yeah I appreciate sure that, that most recent one
2: Yeah so. Yeah I mean it's like uh at the end of the day, like, I don't want that band to have another Under Soil and Dirt. I don't want them to have another What You Don't See. I don't want them to have the same, the self-titled again. I don't want them to make Proper Dose again. I want them to make different records and have different emotions for everyone to, like, live in, as opposed to, like, I liked the first one and I like the emotion of that one. I want the second one to have the same exact one. It's like, we'll just go back to that first one and listen to that. You know what I mean? If you want more of it, like, we'll fucking, like, touch on those vibes. But, like, it's not about, like, replicating that every time, in my opinion.
0: Somebody make something different to, to, to follow up what they've done. Does it ever like cease to amaze you? Like the uh, the vulnerable candid moments that you get to kind of be in the room for? Or, you know, it seems like you're often working with bands that are talking about some, some pretty heavy, like, sad boy kind of stuff you know
2: it's funny dude because like lyrics are like things that like no one fucking ever talks about and like ever wants to even like elaborate on and what i like even ask we'll be like what's this about they're like dude i I don't fucking know you know it's like so (laughs) weird uh so like and and it's funny because like lyrics are just like i mean if i i'd be the worst at writing lyrics so like i kind of like i let people just kind of figure out their own lyric thing and go from there and just try to make sure that the melody is cool and like that i I'm happy with that. I mean, it's like, for example, like my, one of my favorite artists of all time is Bjork. Like, I don't know what she says half the fucking time. All I know is that she sounds amazing and her melodies are fucking bomb. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what her lyric is. Like, and if I like identify her lyric, it kind of actually like pulls me out of it and like makes me like, kind of, you know what I mean? So like, Another good example of that is like Ben Gibbard. Like Ben Gibbard was like the first time I ever like listened to uh Things and was like not even focusing on his melody, I was just focusing on his lyrics and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of unique. I never like really kind of experienced that." You know what I mean? So, but like a lot of other people just like only really focus on lyrics and music. It's so strange, you know? Like I uh we all hear things differently, you know? So, yeah, I've never really like had like any like emotional heart to hearts with anyone about their lyrics ever? Uh, you, oddly, you know what I mean. Like, uh, thankfully, I've never you know had to have the uh, Ross Robinson Jonathan Davis moment where he's telling him to go back to the place where he was molested as a child and like harness those feelings. I'm just, yeah, I'm like, no, that's not for me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna be that guy. You know, like. <laughs> go back to that place, John, go back to that time you were molested. And I want you to put all that pain into the mic. Right? I'm like, no, that's, that's not me. I'm avoiding that one. You know, it's so
0: that's not, that's not your, uh, yeah. your producing yeah. approach there. I'm Sam? more, you
2: know, just, I, I like to make things and they feel good. You know, I'm not trying to go through therapy, you know, it's so good. I'd yeah. like to be much more Dr. Uh, or much more Rick Rubin than Dr. Drew, you know,
0: <laughs> do you feel like you get to, that you kind of have to approach each person, like, differently that you're working with, though, and to to get what you need out of them or, like, yeah. your vision for the record?
2: I mean, everyone's, like, a different human being, so, like, the collaboration process is always kind of different, but, like, I never really change my process, you know what I mean? Like, if anything, like, which I guess is, like, you know, problematic to some, but, like, I, I have, like, a definitive way that I know, like... At the end of the day, I'm presented with, like, a bunch of material, and I'm trying to, like, put a fucking frame around it and start, like, narrowing it down and making a fucking, like, art piece out of it as opposed to, like, okay, I hear all your ideas, but, like, let's get it on fucking paper and let's go from here, you know? So, like, all day long, it's about, like, capturing data properly and, like, making sure, like, that, like... I I like what they're doing is like actually like translating correctly and making me feel good, you know? So like if I if I hear like little tweaks that like I think would be cool, I'm totally going to suggest it and say it. You know what I mean? It's like I got this guy here right now, this guy Eli Hertz, he's actually fucking bomb. And like <laughs> yesterday like uh we were working on this one song and like I was I, I was like, "Dude, this one chord change, it happened, like, an eighth note later instead of, like, where you're doing it, or, like, an eighth note earlier instead of where you're doing it now, and, like, we were, like, arguing about it, and, like, uh, but it was, like, fun arguing. It was just, like, I'm, like, no, I'm pretty set in my way, and you're pretty set in your way, and, like, you really have to sell me on this and, like, show me why this is going to be the one, you know? And like then it's down to like listening to the vocal placement and all of that and being and then eventually being like, Okay, you were right, you're right, I'll let all of my idea isn't as good as yours, I'll let that go. You know what I mean? But like I was happy to fight about it for fifteen minutes and he was happy to fight about it as opposed to being like <laughs> Sam's hell of annoying and like fuck this frustrating guy, you know what I mean? Instead it's like it's two passionate guys who care about a song trying to make fucking shit cool. You know what I mean? Like I love I live for those moments. They're fun, you know?
0: Yeah. And I would imagine that the it's important to have those moments and like confront those things instead of just like letting it go, yeah like, to a certain degree
2: yeah I, we're having an argument over an eighth note placement, you know what i mean like if, it really doesn't matter, but like it matters to me, you know, so like that's that's like the thing where it's just like like all day long I'm dealing like on a pixel level of of detail, you know so it's like trying to like go zoom all the way in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out, like I'm trying to like. Paint, step back, you know what I mean? Look at the picture, see where we're at. So it's it's kind of just a whole process of like figuring out how to get the art piece created and look good, you know?
0: Is it hard for you to not be like three steps ahead of the process or are you pretty good about kind of being uh, in the moment?
2: Yeah, I'm so ahead in the process that like a lot of like – like this dude Eli yesterday like was having like moments where he's like oh like and you know that the guitar like needs to uh, chop before it's like yeah yeah I know that but like I, I'm recording enough tail so that I have like the coverage for it. you know so like I'm already like thinking ahead and he's just like oh that thing isn't supposed to sound the way that it is right now it's like I know I know I don't have to explain that to you uh, and like now through the, the process of like working with me for two days he's like I get this process this is fun like you actually are like really like on this and this is fun to like watch go down you know so uh, yeah if I- I spent the whole time like communicating the process to people. Uh, it would take exponentially longer, you know what I mean? and instead, it's just like I just want to sit in my flow zone and in my state and like just do whatever is necessary and comes to me to make what comes out of the speakers yeah. sound right, you know
0: yeah, for sure yeah. and there's no reason for me to sit in the mixing room for the the tedious parts of the mixing because the whole time I'm just like, I'm doing that. It's like you know you know that's not supposed to sound like that and and the, the engineer's just like, yeah. I know, we're just not to uh, that yeah, part of yeah, I, I understand yeah, I what you want to yeah, happen yeah.
1: here.
2: I'm focusing on drums right now, dude. You're like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like if I had to, like, explain, like, how I EQ something, like, it would just be so stupid. Like, okay, something doesn't sound right. I'm going to open EQ. I'm going to boost this thing and sweep around and find something. That sounds kind of cool. Okay, uh, less of that, more of that. Okay, cool. Uh, now, uh, something sounds weird in my mid-range. I'm going to grab, the, like, who cares? You know, It'd be so much easier if I just did it as opposed to, like, have to, like, communicate any of that to anyone, you know? Like give me the give me three minutes so that I just fucking so do it and then I'll be like what do you think and you'll be like wow and or no not right fix this
0: <laughs> you did that dangerous summer yes. kind of reunion record mother nature
2: yeah they actually had done a one right before that one with me so it would be like the second in their reunion record but yes I did do that record
0: yeah um, were you a fan of that band at all before doing their record did you know much about them
2: so i only knew of them because my friend was like their uh previous producer at that time um and so i like had known of them and never really listened to them um and then uh my wife has this like friend who uh whose husband like is this like lawyer dude and so he like we hung out and then he was like oh man like i love like I love music. Like you ever listen to that band, The Dangerous Summer? I was like, oh, yeah. My friend like works with them. Like I, I, know who they are. I've never really like checked them out. He's like, oh, dude, it's like my favorite fucking band. You know? I'm like, oh, cool. So then, like when Dangerous like hit me up and we're like, yo, we want to make a record. I like basically like, like was I, I would have done that record for free just because my friend was, like, such a punisher of of loving that band that I was just like, cool, it's an opportunity for me to make his favorite Dangerous Summer record. You know what I mean? Like, this <laughs> this normal lawyer dude who loves this band, like, he'll be, like, so stoked that I'll be working with his favorite band if I can, like, land this record. So, like, that was, like, part of the reason I, like, really, like, took the gig. um, And ultimately, it was, like, right after I finished the Proper Dose uh, record, which was, like, <clears throat> like, doing the Proper Dose record was, like, the most, like inspiring and the most demoralizing process like here i am like knowing my capability knowing how far i can go and then i'm dealing with like so much like resistance on the business end and blah 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 that it's like super demoralizing in that way so then uh, here here comes an opportunity of a band dangerous who's like yo we want to make a great record like we're trying to like make euphoric like awesome like feeling shit i'm just like you're talking to the guy, like this is like the universe has aligned for us to have this moment, you know what I mean? like here we go, like all fucking like let's just do this record, you know like so uh that was like a really like good emotionally like fulfilling and creative like process, and like super validating where it's like, boom, I just like I just finished like the most tumultuous album of my life, and then in four weeks, I just fucking shit out like another great record, like and it took me only four weeks as opposed to two years so it was like. It was super validating and super like fun experience and uh yeah all those guys are are great dudes shout out to all of them the dangerous yeah, summer I, ass.
0: Just, I discovered the dangerous summer during their hiatus and I was I was pretty bummed that I kind of missed out on it and went back through those records but then uh yeah man when that mother nature record came out I think that that opening track that has got that voicemail on it man there's like there's something uh, you in the fields that evokes a lot of emotion, yeah, yeah, yeah right away, yeah. and then breaking into that first track and yeah, like yeah, I, I, I have just
2: I have goosebumps now just thinking of that song. You know what I mean? Like absolutely, and, and that's like like that's how cool that is. You know what I mean? Like I, it, I that was like a record where it was just like yeah. dude, like let's just chase the feels the whole time. You know, and letting you know that if you ever need to talk to me, you know I'm here. Whatever you need, sounding board, somebody to vent to, somebody to yell at. To tell you that
1: everything is gonna be okay. Um, Somebody to tell you that you still have a room here in LA if you want it for stupid cheap. But yeah, want to say hi and we miss you. So okay, love you, dude. just
0: an absolutely monster of sound.
2: Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, that that was a fun record. I mean, I'd like to do a lot more stuff with them, but, like, uh, and and it's funny, because, like, they were, like, yeah, man, like, that was, like, so fun and, like, quick, like, let's do something new and, like, kind of, like, shit it out. It's, like, no, 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 no. Now I want to, like, like, take an exponentially like longer amount of time and like really go for this if i want to like do something new with you guys like i have to like really go for it as opposed to like like last time we just went for it and like we did it and we like made something great but like i now i want to like make a masterpiece with those guys if i had an opportunity to again you know so like there was like i remember times like talking to aj about like basic like songwriting stuff and like fighting about like uh my, like, religious, like, uh, attachment to, like, symmetrical melodies and, like, things like that. And he's like, no, man, I just like you to be free. And I'm just like, no, man, that sucks. Like, blah, blah, blah. So, like, uh, we have, like, cool, like, like, creative differences. But, like, uh, I think eventually, like, we'll get to a point where AJ will be like, all right, I'll just do whatever you say. (laughs) As opposed to, like, he's in his own world and kind of, like, still wants to do his own thing. So eventually when he wants to, like, come and, like, completely, like, like, collab and, like, fucking do it, we'll do something new again.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, though, what you were talking about as far as kind of just, like, wanting to make that record because you knew it would be a big deal to your buddy. And, yeah, I feel like that happens sometimes, even having these podcast conversations. And it's like, yeah, if I can get one of my friend's favorite bands on the show, even if I like them a little bit, it's like, yeah, absolutely, I'm doing this so that – you know, yeah. If you're for everyone, if
2: you have a friend that lords out about some band that you have a fucking like react or a relationship with, like it's pretty cool, you know. So yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like like what making that dangerous record. Like all I really like cared about was like making the record for my my lawyer homie Brandon. You know what I mean? Like just being <laughs> like, dude, like I'm gonna make his favorite fucking record. It's gonna be the best dangerous summer record. He's gonna be like, that's my favorite <laughs> one. You know. So I've never really asked like, him if it is, but I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume I'm just gonna assume it is. <laughs> Sorry.
0: You're like here you go, bud. He's got to have a soft spot knowing that there's like that connection to it, yeah. whether it's his favorite one or not. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that um, "Color Me in Kindness" that basement record. I feel like that's a pretty kind of iconic record within that genre. What do you remember about making that one?
2: So that's a funny record in terms of that, like. Um, the Their guitar player, Alex, I met him because he was, like, filming on tour with Man Overboard when Man Overboard came and did a waiting room here. So, like, I met Alex, and he basically was just like, yo, I got to, like, bring my band here, and, like, we got to do something. So, like, they kind of took a chance on me with, like, no one in their band even really knowing who I was or anything. Um, and, like, I I remember, like, I had to, like... I had just gotten, like, my second studio kind of set up, and I was trying to, like, use my, like, ISO booth and, like, have them, like, set up live and play together and record, like, some basic pre-pro. So I remember, like, the first, like, few days, I had to, like, wire up some patch bays and shit like that, and it took us, like, a while to, like, to dial things so that we could get to recording. And I remember, like... We had him set up, and I had him like I was like, okay, cool. I want you to play through all of your songs so I can like map out the tempos of everything. Like, and here we go. So like I had him set up. They they played everything, and as they were playing, me and my uh, like my assistant at the time, Jonathan Rago, shout out to him. He's actually is an at Fearless Records now. He's a great guy, Um, but he was like my assistant at the time. We were just like changing out the trash and like cleaning up the studio as they were like jamming all these songs live real quick and when they came on with that one song that's like i remember we both just stopped and we looked at each other and then we both like started like like bobbing our heads and it was like we didn't say anything the whole the whole interaction was like five seconds uh but like him and i both acknowledged to each other in that moment that like this was special and we were about to make uh, a really good record and like about to like really like hit it, you know? And so like, I, I, what was cool about making that record is like those guys just like hammered it out really quick. They were on, they're already like finishing up a tour. So they were like, they were warmed up. You know what I mean? Like he was like singing every fucking night. So like, it was no issue to just get in there and fucking hammer out some songs. So it was like relatively quick record. Um, But like, I remember like there was, I sent them like one of the mixes and they were like, oh, we just realized we're missing like the intro guitar part. We never recorded this intro guitar part for a song. It was like, oh, what? So like I like recorded the intro guitar part on the whole record. The whole, the one that goes, "Da I like, as I was mixing it, I had to like set up an amp, put a mic on it, play that guitar part and record the intro to that song. It was just kind of fun in terms of like when I made that record with them, they, they like they they just did whatever I said and like it went pretty quick and there wasn't like there was no ego, there was no like label resistance, there was nothing weird. It was just a really fun time, you know. And then the second record was like crazy intense uh, timeline. Like I uh, I was talking about it yesterday with these guys, like when I made that second record with Basement in London, on day one we fucking day one of setting up and getting things going, we're like we call it a night, we go out to get uh, um, dinner. And the guitar player Alex, he goes, so how are we doing on time? Do you think we're 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 on schedule? And I asked him, I said, what's the most you have two options. What's the what's the most important option out of these? One, we focus on making a great record, and it doesn't matter how long it takes and how much money it is. Or two, we finish the record for your budget and for the time within the time that we have booked right now. And he was like, number two, absolutely. So the entire process was not fun, and it was extremely stressful because all they cared about was getting the record done on time for the budget, which meant fun was completely out of the window, and it was completely grueling hard work, you know? So like... Completely different process than like doing it here at my studio the first time and just like having a great time. Like instead it was like we had to book a different studio. We have a fucking Airbnb. They have like these specific blocks between their work. Blah blah blah. It's like hell of goddamn stressful. And like all we needed to do was like they needed me to just be like, dude, who cares if it takes more time? Like it's gonna be fine. But instead like they had their management and their label and their deadlines and all of that breathing down their neck and just making it be like, well the only thing, the only option we have is just to make the best record we can in 12 days. And that's what we'll put out, which is like, dude, your, your band is like, you, we made a great record. You broke up. It did so well that you're going to be a band again. So we're making a brand new record and we're just going to fucking like half ass this thing. Like, what the fuck is this process? Like, why did I agree to this? You know what I mean? So like, so at the end of the day, like, I'm proud of the record that I made. It, like, was hard. It wasn't a fun process. And they were, like, they basically had a falling out with me and were, like, you, were, like, belittled us and you were fucking unsupportive and you were mean to us through the process. It was, like, okay, whatever. Fuck you guys, man. You know what I mean? It's, like, so, uh, that's where it started, like, getting difficult in terms of it's, like, what do people want? Like, do they want a fucking Disneyland experience of, like, it just all being fun and games and easy? Or do they want to, like, actually make a record that matters? Like, what's the process? Like, what are we doing now, you know? Right, right.
0: Yeah, man, basement was a band that like I kinda always like heard the name, but it wasn't even until last year that my buddy Bert like hit me up and he was like, Hey man, I think we missed out on this color the <coughs> the color me kindness record. Like I think we missed out on this basement band and I was just like, Oh yeah, this is like a really fucking cool record. Yeah.
2: Dude, it's funny because I finished I finished that record and then I, I went to Australia to go on vacation with my wife. And uh like I, I got down there and I was like hanging out with like my friends in Australia. I was like, dude, I just did this record for this band, Basement. Like, I, I'll burn it for you. Like, put it on your fucking iPod or whatever at the time because it was like, you know, it was still one like CD player was worth a thing in Australia. And so, uh, um, like, I was just being like, this record is gonna fucking blow up. It's gonna be the one, dude. It's gonna fucking kill it, dude. Like, and then it's like, oh, they break up, <laughs> and the record for, like still blows <laughs> up. I'm like, like I never like just like all my friends in Australia. I was like, I was like, like annoyingly showing them the record i was so proud of it you know what i mean being like dude i i made this record how good is this record this record is going to be so sick like listen to this record you know so uh yeah that was a
0: a pretty monumental time so are you in a position now where mostly you're getting to work with bands who have like a pretty open approach to making their record or is there still a lot of constraints as far as, like, time and budget that you're always working up against?
2: No, I mean, like, since I've been pretty vocal about that, like, those things kind of tend to avoid me these days, thankfully. Um, And it's like, I've always kind of been best at building, uh, building the hype from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, I created Stories So Far From The Ground Up. You know what I mean? Like, I made State Champ's initial fucking, like, bombastic release. I made fucking Basement's initial bombastic release. You know, like, uh, I'm really good at taking, like, a new, fresh uh, approach and an idea and maximi- maximizing that as opposed to working with some cool big band on a fucking, like, label who's like, oh, we could work with anyone because our label will pay for anyone. Like why? Like, what's this Sam dude? You know, like, I don't want to have to, like, fucking like compete and like explain myself i'd rather just want to work with people that just like want to come and make tight shit and know that i can do that you know so like thankfully i've been getting more of that these days where it's like like the dude that i'm working out right, with right now like this guy eli like he's actually really cool i'm I'm really stoked on his record and where it's gonna go like he hit me up and it was like he was like dude like i i know like that you have what i need and like this is gonna be bomb and like his songs are super cool they're like Weezerish, motion city soundtrack like 100 gex, like, it's, like, all the cool shit that, like, I think is fun and, like, gives me this cool, like, platform to work with and, like, uh, it's like he found me by listening to Danger Summer and stuff like that and being like I need those drum sounds like who's the guy behind this you know what I mean so it's like that's I'd rather people find me and want to work with me because they're stoked on my work as opposed to like I have some advocating manager out there being like yo man I got this guy that you need to work with you know I'd rather just have these people naturally gravitate towards finding me and want to work with me you know that's it's a different game It, it it's like a it has more risk, I guess, than is in the longer game, but I find that, like, my relationships and my uh, end result is much better when it's an organic experience like that. Yeah.
0: And hopefully it doesn't have as many falling out in the, the <laughs> yeah. future of it. Yeah, exactly. Does it trip you? I know earlier you mentioned that, you know, maybe you're one of the only dudes in in the city or, like, in your area that even has a drum tracking room. Does it now that you've been doing this for 20 years or so does it kind of trip you out where the recording industry is at this point and that there's so many there's so like seldom studios out there that that have a full live tracking room
2: not surprised by it uh because like i definitely saw it happening the second i started like getting into audio i mean it was one of those things where it's like here i am at my school's like fucking amazing ssl studio using a ssl and a fucking neve console and a blah, 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 all the fucking names that everyone fucking throws around like they mean anything. And all that shit sounded like shit. And then I'd go home to my fucking, you know, practice fucking 002 and record my band and, and show my lab instructors. That, and they'd be like, this sounds amazing. Where did you record this? In my fucking garage, dude. You know what I mean? So like, that's, I just started getting confident and started being like, all right, I can totally like, like, I I, I saw the, the the lack of a need for the big like consoles and the big fucking rooms and stuff like that. And that's where like, I I had my own drum sound that I was always desiring, and I was always like, if I could build my room to be like this, then it, I could get that sound. And so, like, I've done that, as opposed to, like, oh, I'll just use whatever room I have access to and make it sound good, you know what I mean? So, like, it's, it's like, not really that surprising in that way, you know what I mean? Because, like, most people who have, like, the ability to record drums are, like, making do with what they have, as opposed to, like you know renting and putting a lease down on fucking two warehouses like i did and then assembling a goddamn fucking studio like i did you know what i mean like no one really does that anymore and like the ones that did that before like were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars perhaps millions of dollars and completely out of date and like 40 years old now you know so like 40 60 50 you know what i mean like super old at this point so uh um yeah it it doesn't really surprise me but it is like it is unique you know
0: yeah and how long have you had Panda Studios,
2: man? So this is the sixth location. I mean, I've had this one uh, over ten years at this point. Um Okay. But yeah, we got two live rooms, two control rooms. So like as I'm working with this dude Eli, I'm working with him next door in my East Control Room and like we're just doing like keys and direct guitars and like pre-production stuff, like Funneling down the data, and then like this in my room here is like where I mix everything and track all my drums and reamp all my guitars. Like this, this room is more of like the 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 room that I record and do all the work in, and the other room is more of like the data production space with all my fucking synths and stuff like that. So it's tight to have like you know two different control rooms, two different live rooms, a fucking place for my bands to crash with this dude. You like and fucking crash here for two weeks and not have to worry about fucking where he's gonna stay. We just stay here and we just make a record, you know?
0: Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you've got all your gear mm-hmm. in your spot. But do you do you enjoy making records remotely just as much as in your
2: not, own studio? Not anymore. no. I, I mean, dude, at this point, like, I like I have the fucking I have the best like gear that I could ask for. You know what I mean? Like the last time, like when I did this story record in Canada, like I had to bring a bunch of my gear, um, and. Like, it's it's basically, like, then the drum room was, like, smaller and more dead, and, like, you know, it's cool to, like, you know, make a record in the cabin, like, uh, in, in the woods in fucking Canada and shit like that, but it's also, like, annoying to not have my tools where they are and patched the way that they need to, and then, like, the fact that I'm gonna have to go back to that space, and, like, yeah, I I don't really enjoy that, you know, and I, I also, like, I love my wife, I love my house, I love my fucking scenario. Like I like going home and like uh touching base with my life and like getting in touch with like who I am as a human being and then going back tomorrow and making a whole brand new thing as opposed to like being immersed and living in that environment for the entire time. Like that is hard for me, you know.
0: For sure. I'm curious what it's like for you cuz you obviously get to do something that you really love for your living and making records and but I got to imagine that there's days that you show up to the studio where you're uh mental mentally or or physically like not really feeling it. Are you uh pretty good at overcoming those moments or, or do you have to kind of like step out of it and be like, yo, today's not the day for us to, to do this. Yeah.
2: I mean, I just kind of follow intuition. Uh, and like, if i'm if if the day' is a slower day, i kinda it's just a slower day for me, you know what I mean like it kind of like it really depends on like how like what my vibe is and stuff, but thankfully like I have enough like i mean I, I i don't like having too many projects to have to juggle, but thankfully, I have enough projects where like um I can walk in each day and open the one that I'm feeling currently intuitively aligned with and work on that and and get that updated so like you know like right now I'm like finishing up like mixed revisions for like three different records. Uh and so it's like, okay, cool, like I don't feel like doing any of those right at this moment. So I'm gonna just like really focus on working with Eli today, you know what I mean? And or like if I like walked in and was like, okay, cool, like I wanna hammer out the revisions for that thing, I I'd I'd spend an hour like hammering out the revisions and then getting to my work for the day, you know. So it it just like it just depends on like what I'm feeling where where like like I'm not gonna do something if I know it's not gonna be cool and I'm also like not gonna half ass anything and like open my pro tools and like just like let it record and just half-ass it, I'm, I'm going to, like, not do it unless I'm actually going to be intentatively, like, focused on it. And also, I mean, like, seriously, like, smoking weed, like, helps me a bunch. It makes it so much easier to just, like, tunnel in and just be like, cool. Like, if I'm feeling burnt out and weird, like, let me just take a minute. Let me just smoke a bowl. Let me just, like, throw on some fucking music and just vibe out for a second. And, like, then let's just get right back into trying to be creative. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Uh,
0: yeah, man. So when you're, if you're being contracted to like do a record or you sign on to do a record with with anybody are you almost always stepping in as a producer in some ways too or is there situations where you are just the person tracking the record and there's someone else in the room producing
2: yeah so like uh, i did uh um i did some stuff with being as an ocean recently um and so that was kind of one of the first records in a while where like uh, i mean I, I i'm a firm believer in like um you, if if the if the material is in your hands, you take control of it, and you're the executive producer of it, and you executively creative direct that and make it as best as possible, you know. And so, um, recently, when I was working with this band, Bean as an ocean, they, uh, my friend Matt, like produced their early stuff, and then like a homie of mine, Zach, like produced um, uh, some other stuff of theirs, and then they came and they were like, "Yo, we want to like work on some material with you." And so, um, <clears throat> like, it was never like you know, we want you to like produce, like, this many songs and, like, have you, like, you know, mix and master and, like, it was it was more so, like, we just want to come to the studio and vibe out and, like, try to work on some material. So, like, in that scenario, I was, like, very, like, engineer friend. Like, well, let's do whatever you want to do and hang out as opposed to, like, okay, so this is what we're going to do today and this is what we need to do right now. You know what I mean? Like, instead it was, like, Like, and there's some moments like that where I'm just like engineer, just for, I'm just engineering the project. I'm going to hand it over to someone to mix it. I have no issues or qualms with any of that. You know what I mean? Happy to be a friend and be involved. But 99% of the time I am like the executive creative director of the project. Like I'm, I'm the engineer, I'm the mixer, I'm the mastering guy. I'm the guy who's like finding the PR agent for it. I'm the guy who's like doing, like I'm, I'm going all the way with the project and like overseeing its complete, like thing, you know. So like like my new band bone cutter is like a good example. Like like it's like we did a whole new EP. Uh we did a music video for every song. We did a, a single release for every single song. We're going to do a remix EP, uh then we're going to do a live version of the record and uh put that up with video. So like uh, that's like the type of thing where it's like, all right, great. I'm going to like produce this record. I'm going to make these songs with these guys. And then like, I'm going to make sure that everything that we do, like, I'll give a thumbs up on it. So that we'll have, you know, a bunch of fucking content for this EP and all of it's going to be great. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, okay, once it's out of my recording hands, like, I don't do anything. I don't care about the artwork. I don't care about the fucking blah, blah, blah. I'm just the guy who records the band. Like, that's it. Like, I hate doing that. Instead, I like really like seeing the project through to its like delivery to the human being, you know?
0: for sure having more of an an attachment to it that way i would i would imagine too yeah
2: i mean like thinking of it as an executive creative director as opposed to uh i'm just the guy who who produces the music is much more of aligned with like what i actually am talented with and what i can actually do you know
0: yeah and i also gotta imagine when you step into something like bone cutter with your own band it's got to be fucking great to you know, you're at the will of no one else. You can record this record yourself and and work on it when you want. Yeah, are you. Uh, it took us ten years to make four. Band?
2: Yeah, so it took us ten years to make four songs uh, for that. I play guitar for it. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like it's just like avant garde, experimental, like fun shit. Um, and like we're gonna make we'll make new shit here soon. Like I'm I'm trying to get more into like making my own music and writing my own music and putting out stuff. Like uh, I like. I like the full collaboration and creative process of like creating things together as opposed to like, show me your song and I'll record it. You know what I mean? Like I like getting yeah. more involved like that. So I'm like bone Cutter is like the same thing where I'm like involved all the way, like, and, and I'm trying to do more of that with more of these projects where like you essentially could consider me a member of the band at all times. You know what I
0: mean? For sure. Yeah. I think I think recently, like last year, I don't know if you're familiar at all with that "Be Well" record that came out last year. Is that a uh, Brian Mcturner? Uh, t- yeah,
2: yeah. I'm a fan of Mcturner. I really like Brian.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cool though, because he's been, you know, his Salad Day studio is like pretty iconic. Made some some records that that I love for sure. But to also then see this dude like 20 plus years later put out something of his own after you know having all of all these experiences kind of inform his his palette is pretty pretty sweet
2: totally i i've always really liked brian mcturnan's work he's a fantastic engineer and producer and like i've never like met or like talked to him personally but like uh i've his stuff always sounded great he's he's a monster
0: do you feel like also you know having the opportunity to make some music yourself kind of puts you back in that position of what somebody else is experiencing when they're they're working with you as as well
2: Not really. I mean, because I already totally get what they're experiencing. You know what I mean? Like, especially because I'm able to cut through the bullshit real quick. So I'm just like, "What do you have? Where are you at? What are we doing?" You know what I mean? Like, hang on, real quick. Like, where are we in this? You know, like, what is the reality of the scenario? So uh, it's pretty much the same thing, but it's more like, uh, I it's. Dude, it's, uh, it's more, like, unique just to, like, walk in and start recording my own songs, like, from my head, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of it's weird in that way. Like, I, I'm working on a remix right now for my friend where, like, it's the first, like, remix I've ever done. Like, I, and I've never even, like, like, uh, uh, before I would always be, like, what are, what's the point of a remix? Like, what's the whole, like, I don't even get it, you know? But then, like, I started really, like, understanding it and being, like, dude, I like his song, but, like, I hear, like, it in this context and, like, it would be even cool if it did that. So, like, why don't I just do that, you know? So, like... Uh, I'm like I'm gonna put that out eventually with him, and like uh, just I'm gonna start doing way more weird shit and start putting out music and being an artist and of my own, and like being like an artist that's like completely like featured and collabing and involved in all these projects as opposed to like it's this project that uh, was recorded by Sam Pira. You know what I mean? It's, you'll you'll instead like like I, I really like this word uh, uh, tour which was like a lot of my favorite directors are like that, which is basically like Christopher Nolan, David Lynch. Uh, those are all like examples of uh, a tours where it's like their thumbprint and their um, is so prevalent in all of the films that you associate them as, as, as the main thing, you know? So you're like, you're, Oh, it's an M night Shalman movie. It's a fucking blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, like who even cares who's in it or like what it's about? You just know that it's going to be good because it's a Christopher Nolan film. You know what I mean? Like, so like, that's like how like I, I want all my productions to be is it's like, it's a Sam Pura production. Oh shit. It's going to be great. You know? Like,
0: absolutely man i i do this series within this podcast this i dig record series where my cousin and i do the deep dive on a record and i think like often part of our conversation is acknowledging that often the you know the sound engineer the the producer is as big a part of the artist and the band in that moment as anybody else making the record
2: yeah i mean like it's like, you know, like if I would say this to like the story so far, like they would fucking cringe and be like, God, see, this is like why we hate Sam. But it's like, I consider like, my my job of putting of making their music come out of two speakers and out of headphones to the listener, the most important and hardest part of the entire process. You know what I mean? Like they're it's their songs, they're the actors. I'm the goddamn fucking director and producer of the entire movie. You know what I mean? Like uh like you'll never be able to take that aspect away from me and like that uh heavy handedness and thumbprint of my involvement on those productions away from me, you know?
0: Yeah, and you also understand the the process and the technicality that goes into making that all happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, I built those records, transient by transient, drum hit by drum hit. Like you know, I I've edited every single uh, transient on every single one of those records. You know what I mean? Like I have Photoshop and aligned everything to come out of the speakers and be perfect. So when you hear that, you hear that band. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. All right, couple closing questions. Hit me one being for any buddy thinking about dipping their toes into sound engineering engineering or someone that's maybe even a couple years into it is there any uh like simple advice that has really helped you along the way
2: start now and don't listen to anybody
0: all right clear cut clear cut and uh what are some iconic or just records that uh, you think are perfect sonically that have had a huge impact on what you do?
2: Radiohead Kid A, uh, Aphex Twins' uh, Richard D. James, uh, Bjork's Vespertine, uh, Deftone's White Pony, uh, Glassjaw Worship and Tribute, uh, At the Drive-In and Relationship of Command, um, Switchfoot's uh, Nothing is Sound, um, Let's see. uh, I mean, Nickelback's uh, Follow You Home, um, Metallica Black album, uh, definitely Charlie XCX is how I'm feeling right now. Um, And like uh, Daft Punk um, uh, Discovery, uh, and probably uh, definitely like Katy Perry, uh, um, Katy Perry Teenage Dream, um, uh, Kim Petrus, uh, the Kim Petrus album Clarity. And, uh, what would be another big one to throw in there? Um, probably, oh, definitely, um, definitely the Blood Brothers, uh, Burn Piano Album Burn.
0: I like, I like how wide range (laughs) that list was. And a man, a man not afraid to throw in nickel back in the mix.
2: Absolutely, dude. Fucking... Uh, Huge shout out to fucking our boy Randy Staub, who is responsible for the Metallica uh, Black Album sound and the fucking Dr. Feelgood sound and is the man who created Death Kick, which is the most used kick drum sample of all time. Uh Randy Staub is a monster of an engineer, and that Nickelback record sounds fucking phenomenal. He did an amazing job mixing that album. Uh and some of the like best I mean, my favorite story is that I turned on that record one time and played it, and Parker Cannon from The Story So Far goes, Jesus Christ, is this Converge? <laughs> I'm sure he's going to love that. Right, dude? It's the son that goes... dun. dun he literally goes, holy shit, is this Converge? Uh, yeah, Converge records are also great, too. Shout out to Kerbaloo. I mean, he's always been a cool guy to me. <laughs> That's amazing, man.
0: Well, I appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time and getting to pick your brain a little bit about your process and all the records that you've made, man. I think you... Uh, yeah, I think you definitely, you know, have have a footprint on on all the records you make and i certainly appreciate everything that has your name on it thanks man at least from you know if if not appreciating the songwriting definitely from a, a sonic point it it's always uh always sounds killer man
2: thank you man i appreciate that
0: and uh yeah, I was thinking maybe we play it out with some bone cutter.
2: Oh, I like that. Band, yeah, man, you know? why not? If we right? go out with
0: something heavy. There we go. <laughs> uh, we'll play it. We'll play it out with the the first track off that Bone Cutter EP. Boom. My dead wife is a cat. yeah Right. <laughs> and uh, I'll put all the links in the episode notes, so so people can keep up with you and and see what you're doing, or if they want to reach out to maybe make a record with you, yeah, all yeah. those links will be in the episode notes for for sam and we end every episode of the podcast with the guest of the show saying the tagline which is it's a program it's a what it's a program a program Yep, exactly so if we get the uh, the sam pura it's a program we can properly sail this thing out
2: it's a program
0: he nailed it, everybody. That's Sam Pura. There we go, dude. Panda Studios up there in Fremont, California. All those links will be in the episode notes. Hell yeah! And uh, we're gonna we're gonna play it out with this bone cutter jam. And uh, appreciate you, man. Thanks for thanks for hopping on with me. And uh, that's the jelly jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Fremont, Northern California, Bay Area, wherever you're listening from. a big shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to DistroKid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that DistroKid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with DistroKid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that and the link is also in uh, the link in my instagram bio on the link tree so you can find it there as well.
1: Big thanks to distro kid stay up, stay tuned.